Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bagging Broadcast, episode number 291. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out January 27th, 2016. Mm. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week, it's a John Baby. And we're going to be talking about what we think are the best comic book runs from DC and Marvel. Um, we're going to be doing a top 10 style with numbers 10 through 6 on DC side of things uh, happening in this episode. What we think is the best, because we did just have a discussion about this. Not the most influential, not the not, one. Not the most important. Yep. Just what we think is the best. Yeah, the, it's the bang board best reading. Mm-hmm. And one of the brews that John and I have been thinking is the best for uh, these Bomber series that they've been coming out with is Clown Shoes. Uh, this is out of Maine, right? Yes. Yep. No, Massachusetts. Oh, Massachusetts, M-A. Not, uh, what's, what's Maine? M-E. Uh, this is their Moses and the Misfits Imperial Cream Ale. And what got me is brewed with coconuts and vanilla beans. Ooh, that sounds cream, delicious. Cream ale with cocoa and vanilla. I, I don't think any brewery knows how to make a cream ale that doesn't just taste like a cream ale. Right. And I'm like, a cream ale, so it'll be light. So I'm going to get all that flavor, all that rest of that flavor coming through, right? Even with the cocoa nubs and vanilla, it just tastes yeah. like a cream ale. Nothing. Nothing nothing pops in this at all. What's fun about this label, what really caught my eye, it's basically all the characters that they have on all their other uh, Bomber series bottles. So you got the Imperios Rex, you got the Baycord and Unit Dragon, you got the Crawfish. Uh, You got everything on here. So I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like their Bomber series jam session. They're all playing guitar. It's going to be great. They're splitting apart the Red Sea. This is going to be splitting apart my taste buds in my mouth with the coconut, cocoa nibs, and vanilla. And I, yeah. Well, and that's what happens when everybody's playing guitar. You just get cream ale. You just get a cacophony of cream ale. Uh, no, this is, it's very, uh, they usually deliver on yeah. what's on there. That Kolsch with mango yep. is still like, it haunts me that, that I want Kolsch. Mm-hmm. They they that did what some writers coffee. do to comic books. They elevate it. Mm-hmm. You made me like a Kolsch clown juice. You did not make me think any different than cream ale. Yeah. Uh, they're co- well, yeah, because normally they nail, uh, nail their flavors like that coffee, <clears throat> pecan, uh, porter. Yeah. That we really like. That uh, all three of us really liked. So this one here. Uh, a little sure. disappointing. Uh, you know what? You got to give them a clunker every once in a while. Mm-hmm. We go after a lot of big bottles from those guys, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it, I think it's still there's still more hits than misses. Yeah, unlike your, uh, we also tried to drink Smut Labs Chestnut Saison. It was just uh, a bitter saison. Yeah, we that did not have any. We chestnut had flavor. to get rid of it. I don't want to talk about it. it <laughs> That's sad. It you know, uh, you know what I was thinking for a flavor for saison, a rye saison. I think the rye would be overpowering of the I that. Think- uh, that uh, Belgian yeasty. I don't know. I think he can still make it work. I think they. I think they clash. I don't know. Nobody's done it. Yeah, Maybe you there's know why a nobody's done it. <laughs> but they just haven't thought of it. Mm-hmm. I you wish should. I knew. I wish I could brew beer. Yeah. <laughs> talk to talk to producer Scott. Yep. See if he he can figure it out. Or friend of the show Greg. Yeah. 
Uh, but Chris, what are you drinking, bud? Uh, I'm drinking a beer that I actually had once before, back in November, and I don't remember drinking it. I don't know if it was something I had just on the show that I kind of just glanced over quick or if I drank it out and about. Um, but this is No Lies Mosh Pit. It's a tart cherry ale uh, brewed in Spokane, Washington. This is 7.5% ABV. Uh, very drinkable, very nice. It's not like a syrupy sweet cherry on it. Uh, it's just a nice little like amber ale. I, I like it. Um, like I told John before the show, Paul, I think you were getting ready to record. Um, today was a beer shopping day that got out of control for me because I first saw a uh, Imperial Coffee Porter for Ooh. seven bucks, so I grabbed that. <laughs> As you then, should. Uh, right? Uh, seven bucks. Then I, then I saw like the four pack of this for like I think it was like seven or eight bucks. Like it wasn't too bad. And I was like, oh, like that would be good to have up against like the dark, like sweeter coffee port. And I was like, oh my God, I can try to combine the two and see how that comes out. And then with that, in my mind, I got a bottle of the Boulevard tart cherry stout to try too. And I was like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I won't drink all of this today. So not without taking a nap afterwards. Nope. It's gonna it's gonna be a midday nap kind of day. But uh no, this is isn't bad. Um I put it at like a two point seven five last time I had it. I think that holds true. It's very nice, it's very drinkable. Um I wouldn't put it over any other kind of fruit, beer, or ale. Like I would probably go to something like a uh Oh, who who brew, uh brews the blueberry one that's Okay, was it Blue Point? The Blueberry, the, the Smash, the Shipyard? shipyard oh, Shipyard is the, the Blueberry Stout. Yeah. I'd probably go for like something like that first, or even like a Lambic if I need something like Fruity. a little bit lighter and fruitier that I want to mix with something else. Because this is a really subtle cherry. Um, it's also brewed with cranberries, it says, on the side of the label. Um, so maybe that's kind of leveling out that sweetness a little bit. But it's and not bad. It's not great. Um, you said this was from No Lies Brewery? No, no Lie. N-O-L-I. I don't know if I've had anything from Oh, them. see, I was hoping that it was like an island. Like a no aisle. No. No, no sorry. Uh, handcrafted fruit beer contains no flavorings, artificial colors, or preservatives. Only the highest quality fruit, malt, and hops. Sourced from Pacific Northwest. So, yeah, you know what? I mean, that's probably why it's not like that syrupy, like overly sweet, because they use actual cherries for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they didn't go with the Michigan cherry. Oh, we we had this when we were down there, Paul. We I think we both bought this. Okay. that's probably oh, what yeah. I had it. Yeah, and yeah, I gave it two and a half. Okay. Um, kind of talking about beer and news and someone that uses locally sourced ingredients and things. Um, we didn't really talk about this in the pre-show, but did you guys see Founders is actually expanding again? What? Yeah, they yeah. they were talking about expanding um, when we were down there. Yeah, they they were in the process of expanding, and they finished that, and now they bought like the rail yard across the street, which they're going to use for their like founders like um, picnic parties, like their their uh, more experimental stuff. Uh, yeah, I more parking because I uh, I remember <laughs> right. Well, hopefully, summer they will have more parking. When yeah, we uh, when we were sitting in the. Um, parking lot waiting for them to open and we were going over our movie bracket uh-huh. i believe i pulled up on my phone like news from the brewery that was like they're going from doing like 
they want to go they're currently going to be functioning at like 26 million like gallons of beer a year mm-hmm. and they want to go up to like 56 or 60 million so um, d- over doubling yeah and and I, we, I said that and Chris is like they're not even done yet like <laughs> yeah they, they were they were expanding and now they're like going bigger and I think that's awesome that they're going to be using this new location just to brew like their more experimental stuff this is going to be where their brewers can go to kind of just have fun and try those different things that they put out in limited release and they're just going to focus on brewing their like go-to and seasonal beers over at their main facility now that's exciting because it's organic growth. It isn't more capital coming in from the outside yeah. and then being able to then do this. This is them just slowly plodding along. Like, we've been enjoying Founders before you moved out that way. And it's been years that Founders has just been cranking along, cranking oh, along. From going almost bankrupt where they have their bulk cutter series where they couldn't yeah. afford to keep the, the place going. Yeah. To now being able to uh, take over uh, this huge investment, this capital investment, is great. Well, it's even great. when John, you went there before, like they from were when you went originally to when you went like for beercation, like you're like it's completely different in there. Yeah, and there was only I think two years difference. Yeah, yeah. So they were that was the first time they were rebuilding. I, I need to go again when they're doing I their know, rebuild yeah. every year. Yeah, we gotta. <laughs> I gotta get back down to Ithaca. Yeah. to see their rebuild. Um, it's nice. But that's, that's yeah, like I was actually thinking about that the other day because I was like, man, there's a lot of breweries that I went to that I didn't have the opportunity to go back to and Ithaca was one of those. Mm-hmm. The only problem with Ithaca is and it's the same thing with almost like Southern Tier, there's no around it. There's no direct way there. Right. And there's there's so mm-hmm. <laughs> just out in the middle of nowhere. So hard to get to Ithaca, especially. Like Chris and I thought, like, oh, we take a detour going yeah. to Rochester to go to uh, Ithaca, and down. it's like, nope. You swing but, almost down to PA, and then but, you swing back up. Yeah, but we were like, eh, still pretty worth it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, we definitely picked up some bottles when we were there. Hey, they might not have been the best because they all like spat out at us when we tried to open them. No, 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 no. Oh, no that, that was when we. That was we picked up the rare habit. Yeah, we got the rare, rare habit. We got the old habit. But then didn't mm-hmm. we get the? That's when they came out with the fifteen too, wasn't it? That was the fifteen. Yeah, oh, the fifteen was, was the sixteen the was that, bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wait, did My we bad. miss seventeen then? No, seventeen. Seventeen just wasn't good tasting. Uh, was yeah. that the honey one? That was the one in the it blue with bottle. The bees? Maybe. Yeah. And then we didn't really like it because 18 is out now. I do have a bottle of 18. Yeah, we got. Yeah, we're saving that for when Chris comes mm-hmm. back. Yeah, it's staring at me though. Yeah, because I think you had 17. You brought it when you came for a beercation because we had that one mm-hmm. on the show, and we yeah. were kind of like, eh, it's not. Yeah, that was the not. one with the B on it. Yeah. And I think we decided like the best of the like anniversary series was like the rye 14. It was the 14 if you had it like two years later. But then just the rye on its own. Mm-hmm. Guys, and we drink a lot. Let me tell you, though, owning a beer cellar is sometimes living the uh, the short story, the tall tale heart. Because it's like, <laughs> you, you go down, you, you, you're like kind of craving a beer, and then all of a sudden you hear, 
from the basement. And you're like, no, I'm saving you for when my friends arrive. <laughs> you can buy me later again. Drink me now. It'll be fine. No, please don't tempt me anymore. See, what when, I, when I went to the beer store, I actually had two bottles of the tart sherry in my hands. And I had picked up two other bottles from Boulevard, too, that I was like, oh, my gosh, they have these, like, I can drink one now, and I can put one in like my storage closet. I can have it later, and I was like, "They have plenty of bottles of each of these. Like, I can just buy one today, and then come back for the other one next week and buy like a backup of the like tart cherry if I want. Like, I don't need to get all this now." But you think that? But uh, when I went to premiere last time, and I, I'm like, I saw Space Juice there for the first time. I'm like, "Oh, there's this thing called Space Juice. Is that any good, John?" And John's like, "Yeah, it's you know supposed to be really good. It's like rivals." Head I didn't copper. see that down in your uh, cellar right now. Uh, I did finish up <laughs> because they are a really strong IPA. They're they, it is very good. But then I went last week or just this past week to uh, pick up more beer, and Space Juice like no longer had the big. Uh, display display it was just on the shelf because it's almost gone yeah and they had the first time i went in there and i asked john about it like the display was twice the size the very next week it's half the size and now it's like got four little packs on the shelf yeah so i'm just sad every single time i've gone to my store they haven't had the project pam from founders like they said they were going to be getting it in so i don't know if i just missed it or if it hasn't come in yet but have you not had it yet i haven't okay i have a bottle in my basement Right now is going to be the tall tale heart <laughs> yeah. from now on. Because I, I saw it, I saw it there, and I'm like, "Wait, am I supposed to be aging this, or can I drink this? Is this, is this an aging thing?" Or I have, I have the um, the blended clown shoes in my cellar that I'm cellaring for us. Okay. Uh, but my project Pam, because I figured I could still get it. I had some people over the other night, and they drank it. So good. Am I well, aging that one then? Uh, save it for Chris. Save it for Chris. <laughs> I was gonna say if I, I don't, I if really I don't find it here. I do have those plans to come back in March. So I haven't seen so. it. No, yeah, no, I don't. Um, I I don't think it needs to be aged at all. Yeah, I think okay. aging it would take away from that beer. Okay. Good. Um. So yeah, we'll just drink it with uh, Chris. Like we did Good that so. one time before we recorded, and we had like four beers at dinner and then came mm-hmm. in and drank a bunch of bourbon beers on the show and it's just a drunken mess of an oh, episode. Oh, that's the best part of <laughs> those, the episode. Those episodes are fun. We just can't talk about anything like we want to talk about when we do that. Oh, we need yeah. to learn that lesson. Um, but as I was going to say, Paul, you have to have your beers that you're aging uh-huh. uh, in the back of your beer cellar and then put the stuff that you buy for current drinking in front of that so you just see that when you go to beer. Yeah, but I know it's there. <laughs> I bought it. There's no tricking my mind, sir. Uh, put a little. I. I. We have little uh, string and notes that hang off the oh, bottle okay. to say when we can drink those. And I look at them and I go, Ugh, I don't know. Yeah. My creme brulee. My creme brulee is up now. It's ready to drink now. But I still have like two more months on it just because I want to age it even more. And then I'm like, why didn't I buy more of these? Because it's creme brulee. I accidentally bought two four packs of creme brulee. I know. Do you I want me to one. put those in my house so they're no, not getting no, drunk? No, because I'm not going to drink. Because I had one already, and I'm like, yep, nope, this definitely needs to be aged. I accidentally well, bought two four packs because I went one during the same week. I went <laughs> I went to one beer store, and I'm like, oh, creme brulee's out in a four pack. I'll buy it because this is going to be great a year from now. And then like 
I did that on a Tuesday, and then on a Friday, I went to a different beer store, and I'm like, hey, Cremolet's out. <laughs> I would, uh... I need to find more of that Saren X S'mores. I really enjoy that. Did you enjoy that? I got, I got one more bottle after that. That's ever... I, they have huge displays like at Wegmans right now. Um... Well, someone that uh, won't be around after next year. You mean we can't just reminisce about our uh, <laughs> our beer and beer sellers right now? We need to actually uh, do a show and not we, just we, talk we like do friends. Have to talk about. Wait, we got uh, we come in three ma- major segments, right? Right. <laughs> What's the first one again, Chris? It's the weekend geek where we talk about news. We're opening up that news bag, <laughs> and and the news that uh, Doctor Who producer and showrunner Stephen Moffat is uh, leaving after the tenth season. That's okay. You know what? I, I I think how many more aliens can he come up with that involve not being able to look at them or remembering them or something like oh, oh that's oh, that style. Like I I appreciate everything that mm-hmm. he's done and everything that he's written. Um, I haven't seen well I've only watched one episode of the Capaldi series so far, uh, but from what people have like told me, like the show is kind of starting to show its age. Like it's hey more beer talk. Um, <laughs> and like they're okay with this news um, and him leaving. Yeah, I, I um I found this season the the last season mm-hmm. the first season with Capaldi really hard to I was choking it down mm-hmm. and I could see the thread elements that go oh the finale is going to be really good if I can get to it. I have not been able to get to it. I watched the first episode when it premiered on Netflix and have not been able to yeah. finish 13 episodes or whatever it is. Even the last half season, I've been trying to get through that last half season of Matt Smith with Clara. And even before that, with that season with uh, The Last of the Ponds, I'm like, the Weeping Angels aren't that. <laughs> you know, that the angels take Manhattan, I'm like... Oh my goodness! Yeah. He's just like he's he's ruining everything that made the Weeping Angels great. Like even before that, with the you know the the downing of uh, that one ship, and they're yeah. on there. I'm like, man, they're just he's just you know it's it's he has a good idea and he he wants to keep running with it, but he's he's going back on everything he built. So it's kind of like getting. Little long in the tooth, so I think it'll be interesting to see another showrunner come up on the show. Uh, if, and if the, they keep the person going. coming on is Chris Chinball. If you are like a very active Whovian, you probably recognize his name more than I do. Um, he's actually written for Doctor Who before, and he's also worked on Torchwood. Hmm. Um, and then he actually created the new David Tennant show, Broadchurch, which came out. I think it was like last year. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Broadchurch. Uh, yeah, the trailers, like everything for it, look awesome. Like that was something that I wanted to throw into my Netflix queue when I get the chance. but Yeah, Broadchurch is about three years old. Okay. The second season just came out, though. Mm-hmm. Or the second series. They were talking about... David Tennant was talking about making an American version they of did. Broadchurch. Oh, they did? They did. Okay. And so. he plays the lead in that, too. Oh, really? Good yeah. For him. Uh, he plays the same over. character, just American. It's just <laughs> all over the place. I love that guy. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Broadchurch was the... It was good. Um, and I think the guy is considered, like, the head writer for... Um, Doctor Who that's taking over Chris uh, yeah that makes sense because British Stephen Moffat was pretty much the head writer back during the uh, what's his name run um, yeah. oh my goodness the, oh, I, the guy before him yep yeah <laughs> what's exactly. the name 
What? Uh, Russell what? Davies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had to think back to like yeah, watching the credits. <laughs> um, no, but I think this is good, and I think you once you're on something for so long, it's good to be able to give it away. And maybe Moffat should have done it before the new Doctor came in and handed the reins over there. Well. Who knows if there's going to be if Capaldi will just uh, because he's even said that he's not sure how much longer he wants to do. He was not. He's not. He hasn't been very happy playing yeah. doc, this Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So he might want to. You know, with it might be a whole switch over again. Yeah, so, kind of like you know Russell T Davies basically kept on going, but man, David Tennant. When David Tennant really came alive is when Stephen Moffat took over, and then when. I really loved the stuff that uh, Stephen Moffat was doing. It was when we finally got, when we got into the Matt Smith, which was yeah. seemed like a clean like you could start watching just the Matt Smith episodes yeah. from then on. So I think I think every three years Doctor Who kind of needs that regenesis of being able to just tell its own stories because it's British TV where it isn't really known for doing long epic ten year runs of television series. There, tell your story then do a different show and tell that story. Tell yeah. that story, shall we? So, yeah. so that, story, that show's story. Drinking! Drinking! <laughs> this this Imperial does seem like it's hitting me. Yeah. I feel a little lightheaded. What other news do we have? I had a bunch of board game news that I'm dropping because we're already uh, 20 minutes in. <clears throat> we got a brand new Suicide Squad trailer released with the DC <laughs> Silver Screen special that aired. I don't know what they actually called it. I didn't even know that thing existed until I heard people talking about it and saw it being posted about the next day. Yeah, it's uh, their villains. It's what they do. Uh, I will say I was probably going to see this movie. I was more on the fence that it wasn't going to be Were good. Were you going to hate screen this movie? Like no. watch it kind of like expecting to hate it? No, I was going to watch it expecting that it might be good but not have high hopes for it. Mm-hmm. This trailer made me more interested. I I think they got the formula right for this. Action with jokes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think from this trailer you can see that it's got both. I have to say my favorite part of this trailer is when the music stops, Captain Boomerang opens Which music? up. Which uh, Bohemian and Rhapsody. When it stops and he opens up like the can of Coke and he's ducking behind a car and he's taking a sip out of it. Mm-hmm. Or whatever he opened, like yeah, he yeah. opened some can of maybe beer so or something. Yeah. But like I was like, ha, that's funny. Like <laughs> okay, like I, and I'm watching. I'm like, all right, this makes me more intrigued. What is this villain? It's definitely some type of alien plant thing. Something is up with Star-o? it. I don't know. I didn't know there was a. I thought uh, this. The, I, I thought the trailer left us to believe that the Joker was a was a villain. I don't know. Was the antagonist? I, that's well, what what's I that thing? That, well, is it the Joker that takes that stops that uh, subway car and then shoots this big viney thing <laughs> through the subway? Like no, I thought that was one of the Suicide Squad that did that. You know, like Enchantress or something. Yeah. Whenever they show that group, is Enchantress with them? Wow, well, man. that's kind of like one of the rumors that was parsing too. Is that she's actually like the villain of it? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't do a parsing of this stuff, man. No, and the other person who doesn't show up is like Slipknot, which makes you think Slipknot dies right away. That yeah. would make sense, because... I don't know, I, like, this trailer kind of sold me more on the movie, but it did 
desell me almost on the Harley Quinn stuff. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I'm going to care for Harley in this movie, and that's kind of sad, because she's kind of like the go-to character for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Will Smith looks badass as Deadshot. Yeah. Like, the Deadshot stuff is actually what's kind of got me pumped for this. Uh, the guy that plays, um, what is it, Steve Trevor? Mm-hmm. I don't like that actor. He was RoboCop. There's something about him when I look at him, I just think he's, like, got, like, he's dirty. Like, he's just got a, like, you look at him, you're like, that guy's got a layer of dust on him, right? Oh, he's yeah. Pigpen. Yeah. From Puppet. I look from, at him and know. just like, oh, that guy. There's something, like, I don't know, he just doesn't look like he washes his hair. He looks like he just, like, fell off a pig and rolled around in dirt. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just don't like him. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, Joaquin Phoenix has that, I don't like him yeah, either. I never liked him either. Well, I, yeah, uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think Harley Quinn has become like this cultural comic book touchstone character. And you love her, but you love her for a different reason than anyone else loves her. I, I no, what? No, I, I think I love her in the no, same way. She, it's the same reason everyone else likes her. Yeah, that she's this messed up character that just is that that um, what is it? The id. Just the it in control, like everything you could kind of want to do if there was no social repercussions, and for you know she gets away with it because well, she has also, the power to do that. At this, at the same time, on that other side of the coin, you have Deadpool, who's also kind of that touchstone character for a lot of people in the Marvel universe now. Like Harley Quinn and Deadpool are two characters that have gotten so big in pop culture, <laughs> and I think it's because it's just what you said. Like they're that character that can run like wild. And people like seeing that. Deadshot is the Batman for the people that think Batman's too straight-laced. Mm-hmm. And Harley Quinn is that that free spirit that everybody kind of wishes they could be. You know, oh, there's this here. I'm going to take it. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna love too much, and, and then then and forgive too much, and just do everything too much. You know, she's. She's that overflowed character that, you know, everything is... Rides the emotional yeah. spectrum. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of feels everyone once in a while. All right, what other uh, news do we have? <laughs> Chris, I think you you had most of the news and Paul had the... So go go with whatever uh, your next thing well, is. Well, since we're talking about Batman characters, I think it's a oh, good yeah. time to note that our favorite Batman writer probably of all time, Mr. Scott Snyder, we knew he was leaving... Batman this year, uh, but we found out actually where he's going to, and it's going to be back over to Detective Comics. No! Oh, yeah, yeah no, that's, that's fine. The book he wrote before Batman. Um, <laughs> this is kind of after the announcement that a lot of DC books are going to be shipping bi-monthly uh, in the upcoming year. Uh, and with it seemed to being a little bit more story and editorial driven, he's still going to have his own little corner of the Bat universe. And, uh, Gotham City over in Detective Comics, which I'm okay with. And hey, guys, for the first time in years, I'm going to be buying Detective Comics again. <laughs> and I really hope they kind of do what happened before with Detective Comics. And I'm thinking back to when Paul Dini was on it, where it's just those like quick one shot. Hey, here's this issue written by Scott Snyder, drawn by this person. Like those self-contained mystery stories. Next issue, something different. Um, having it almost be like the Batman animated series again, because I would. I would buy and read the crap out of that book. Uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to 
him on that book because I think it takes a little of the. I it, I feel like it, to me just hearing that it feels like it's taking the pressure off of Scott Snyder. Not that I feel like his work seemed like he's pressured to doing that. He's just telling the story he wants to tell. But I feel like it's like he has even more free reign to rule the Batman roost. Yeah. I'm, I'm more than okay with that because look what he did on Batman. Mm-hmm. Isn't it a brood? Batman brood? Hey, you know, a group of Batman? I don't think it's a roost. I don't know. What do they call a Is bunch it, of bats? Guanu. No, no, that's a bunch of bat poop. Oh. Um... Isn't it a brood? A, a brood of bats? What's I don't know. I, I don't could know. Google this, but I'm not. I will. To. Plural. I, I just, you know, uh, I feel like you're just. Now. I just said like, oh, they rule the roost. Uh, like that's a saying. Bats. Like people rule the roost. Would it be called like a belfry of bats? Ooh, that would be good. That that's what it should be called. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have anything else news wise? Uh, I'm blanking D- on DC uh, Comics teasing rebirth. Uh, Oh yeah, that's right. Rebirth has been was projected on blue curtains um, with the DC logo underneath it. And uh, what does it mean? Who's coming back? What is being rebirth? What character out there needs a reimagining or rebringing back? Who? Who? Well, people are speculating Who? that this is going to be another relaunch of the uh, DC universe after they've put out the 52nd issues of everything that relaunched with the new 52. Oh, that'd be a few years ago. That would be pretty good to get it back to. It's the rebirth of the old 52. It's, it's a rebirth of the rebirth. So they might be streamlining stuff a little bit more than they did previously. Um, I don't know. Like we'll, we'll definitely get more as this comes out, but this is legit happening. Like this is something that was like, teased by both Dan DiDio and Jim Lee, you know, co-publishers at DC Comics. So something hap- something's happening. Uh, and uh, something that we didn't talk about was um, Doctor Strange has cast Wong um, in the film, and it's going it's to... It's another Benedict. <laughs> so you got Benedict Cumberbatch, and you got Benedict... Uh... Uh, Wong. Really? <laughs> Benedict <laughs> Wong. Who, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know... Who's this guy? Um, he has. When you see him, you know that he's appeared in like tons of stuff. Um, if you give me one second, I will tell you his best known. Well, I, I'm uh, while you're him, while I you're Google bats. Okay, uh, well, I was doing that. Guess what? I got that answer for you. It's a colony, according to Wikipedia. List of English terms of barony by animal. Oh, it's that guy. Yeah. Mm. yeah he's been in a bunch of things. She's been in a bunch of things. Uh, yeah. A he, bunch of emus is called a mop. Uh, he was in... Uh, Johnny per- English. Prometheus. <laughs> was he in Johnny English? He was. A bunch uh, of hyenas. He, he was called in Moon, a which you guys saw, and liked, I d- took a nap during it. I don't think I've seen Johnny English. He was in a Jason Statham movie, so he probably got kicked or shot at. Mm. Mm. He was in the IT crowd. He was prime. <laughs> he is. Now that I'm looking at him, like I can definitely see it. He's put on a little bit of weight since he was prime. That's hilarious. Okay. That's fantastic. All right. Yeah, I support this guy as Wong. <laughs> a fan of tiny cookies. 
He's a fan of tiny cookies? He says that to Moss. Oh. You right. Paul's never watched the IT crowd. We tried. We really you. tried. I just... Yeah, I'm sorry. I couldn't get past whether it was IT crowd or the IT crowd. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> That's an internet. Paul, Paul thinks. Paul thinks. There's reasons... Any, Paul thinks. Do you have any more news? Paul, thanks. There's there's reasons I love you, and there are so many reasons why I hate you. (laughs) But the things that cause you to hate me are so small and insignificant. The things that cause the the things that cause me to hate you make me love you even more. They're endearing. (laughs) They're so endearing. (laughs) Much like uh, my love for this comic book writer. That I'm looking forward to a book. I that thought I thought you're going to say much like uh, clown shoes. We don't do that. We do that. We're doing. Chris beers. had more beer than us. Oh, okay. Then we can do this one. We can, we can do. We can do stings. We can do lots of stings. Yeah. Sorry, uh, was, sting is still alive. David Bowie is not. I, I slurred a little bit. I'm sorry. In okay. uh, clown shoes, we did not like Moses and the Misfits, but evil crawfish. Clown shoes is red imperial pale ale. Uh, delivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a very drinkable, very good. Half the price of red de- redonculus. I would take a redonculus though. I'd yeah, pay that price. But half the price. I could have two of these. You know, yeah, but I'd rather have one redonculus than this. This is a very good imperial red. Mm-hmm. It really is. But redonculus, I think, had more flavor. It had well, more. Well, it was depth. also a rye red IPA, wasn't it? No, it's just a red. Or was it? Was it? It was. Okay. Well, it was... Man, it did have that spiciness, though, the red alcohol yeah, that I'm remembering. Yeah, it was just so smooth. It was mm-hmm. so drinkable. It was so good. This is that as well, but mm-hmm. times two is ridiculous. I uh, would put 50% more flavor, not 200% more flavor in ridiculous. You're wrong. Well, that's our math. That's that's why we're disagreeing on whether or not you're I'm saying. Also, I'm also Paul. I'm also saying things. I'm I'm a little loopy, yeah, that's so fine. don't don't hold me on things that I say. <laughs> that's great when we're coming up with our top nerd story. Don't uh, listen to me at all. Nine percent. What was the cream ale? Nine point one. <laughs> Wait, there's no. It's only because we're recording so early. Is it causing us to be this loopy? Normally, when we record, when when we used to record, it used to be at night. We had a good base. Yeah, we ate all day. This were like eating like two scrambled eggs and then doing the show. This I didn't show. even eat anything yet today. Uh, yeah, I thought you're... about getting like McDonald's breakfast or something when I had to go get beer, and I was like, uh, I had McDonald's for dinner last night. I can't be that American. You're you're, you're, just, just, you're you're a bottomless pit that is a high functioning metabolism man that can just handle just all he does. I can just drink alcohol all day and it doesn't affect me. It, it, hit, it hits me and I take a nap and then I'm okay. Uh, but yeah, it, we started drinking at 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, we're brunching. Yeah, we're brunching we, we started it. doing that and then I woke up at 10. Just yeah. so you guys know too. I woke up at 10 and was like, oh, I need to do things. And I laid in bed for 10 minutes buying comic books. And then I sent you the text message. And I was like, I might be a minute. I have to go buy beer. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I got up at eight o'clock this morning, and I went out to breakfast, and then I drank beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what are, what are we gonna drink next, Paul? Oh, we could drink something next. We can. He could. Oh, yeah, we could all day. I gotta go. Dr- I'm drinking and watching the football game after this, though. Well, the foosball. I'm pretty sure you're taking a nap during football. <laughs> nope. I'm going over to my buddy's place. 
Do you want me to drive you there? No. Because then who's going to drive me back? Kate? I'll be all right. Okay. I'm all right. I'm 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 fine with it. Uh, Chris, Chris, what are you drinking? Glad you're fine with it. Uh, <laughs> my next one is actually from Laughing Dog Brewing. I had a couple things from them right after I moved down here. I don't remember what they were called. It's back when I was on top of the show notes, so you can just go over to bagboard.com mm-hmm. and search Laughing Dog, and uh, it'll show you what we had and what episode it was. You can listen to that. Hey, rate review us. Do that stuff, too. Um, but this is Anubis, and this is their Imperial Coffee Porter. Uh, definitely a lot of black coffee on the back end, and then you get that like, imperial like alcohol swoop in. Uh, probably not my favorite. Not bad for like seven bucks for the bottle, but I don't know. I much rather would have had something from um, Left Hand, like the bittersweet. I had that a couple weeks ago. John, you said it? you found it down there. Yeah, we got the bittersweet uh, here now. How is that? That that was really good. Okay. I can't remember what episode I had that on. I'm very I excited it, to drink. Maybe like three or four weeks ago, but um, yeah, that one was good. We've had a couple things from Laughing Dog. We had the Sneaky Pete, which is their Imperial uh, IPA, and then we also had Laughing Skull. Can I? Can no, I, that's can we? Break. Can I look at the label? Is that is that the label that I just don't like? I think this one this just put me out. Somebody gave the Laughing Skull label was dumb. I remember that. Okay, no, no. Okay, Sneaky Pete. That uh, that's not. Who I, am I th- it's I like think, a dog looking yeah. at Sneaky Pete. You're thinking of the stuff that has the the guy that used to do the art for um, the Gonzo journalist. Uh, what's his name? Oh, that yeah, that's a uh, flying, flying dog. dog. Flying dog. Oh, I hate flying dog. Flying yeah, dog. Flying dog stuff's not good. It just looks. It just looks off putting. And the, the brewery that did uh, the brown note. Brown ale. Yeah, that that art also that labeling is so off putting. Um, too that I'm like. I think Sneaky Pete is one that a coworker gave you mm-hmm. for us. Yeah, that was pretty good. It was okay. It wasn't great. Yeah. All right, but what is great is the comic books coming out uh, this week, which would be January twenty seventh, two thousand sixteen. Uh, John, what are you looking for? I'm looking for a new number one. Uh, This is going to be from IDW Publishing. This is uh, Victory City. Um, This is a four-issue miniseries from Keith Carmack and art by Vincent Nappi. Uh, Cover art by Ben Templesmith. Didn't sell me on the book. But this is a miniseries that ties in thriller, mystery with noir, new, noir elements, um, kind of in the vein of Seven, uh, and I love that kind of stuff. So I'm willing to grab it and check it out and maybe make you guys read it for a look back. Hmm. Okay. Uh, ben Templesmith doesn't really sell me on anything anymore. Um I don't know. Just I, I can't feel it. No, and that's why, like, that's why I said it. It means nothing, and I'm glad he's just doing cover art. He did what? The grinder? What was it called? Uh, ten grand. Ten grand. Ten grand. And he also, you know, forty days of night, right? Yeah, and uh, just he was doing um, the um, Gotham PD book. The oh yeah, yeah, uh, which we kind of like. Oh yeah, this seems like we should like it more. But man, when when the art shifted, I think mm-hmm. the book got better. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm looking forward. It was to- a good book, though. I I still have them. I have a couple I haven't read. Um, I do plan on finishing out the series, but 
is one of those I got to finish reading what I have. I'm not going to just keep buying issues that I'm not reading. Uh, you're you're going to hear a drain pour because I tried mixing the mosh pit <laughs> and the Anubis and not good. Basically, both of the things that kind of took me out of both beers really show through when you put them together. So yeah, that is crazy. that happened. Okay, we're we're no, pausing. No, John's running. Say, what? I was going to go grab another beer. I was going to say just keep recording. Oh, okay. Because you guys are doing your books. I don't. Yeah, know. yeah. John doesn't care about. What no we offense. Say, I don't so need to listen. Talk. Yeah, it's it's going to be surprising when I pick a Conan book though. Wow. Yeah. I look forward to reading it. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm picking up uh, Conan. It, it isn't starting a new number one or anything. Is it by Brian Wood and Becky Cloonan? Because that's the last time you picked up a Conan. Pretty much. Uh, no, this is by uh, Fred Van Lente, and uh, you know he's he's been over at Marvel, did Marvel Zombies, did Incredible Hercules, and he's been writing up from what I've heard on, on uh, reviews. Other than our own show, um, he's been doing a really good work, doing a really good job on Conan the Avenger. Uh, so this is part three, but I'm going to jump in now because I didn't really see anything on this this week's list that really jumped out at me. And mm-hmm. it's a series that I've been try- thinking about maybe jumping into, and I think since it's been such a light week, you know, I'm going to try this one. Uh, Fred Van Lente did uh, Incredible Hercules. He did uh, part of the Marvel Zombie Run. Uh, he did Power Man and Iron Fist for a while there with Marvel. Uh, he's one of those kind of comic book writers that has been around, but, uh, you know, never really got his due, I think. Like, Hercules is one of those characters I've never really had an interest in, even as someone that will read a book of a character that I've never had an interest in, if it's like a like a new number one. Like I, I'll still check something out, but I've never read a Hercules book. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Uh, Fred Van Lanty, though, he's an Orangeman. He went to Syracuse University. Oh, so, that's cool. You know, a little local flavor there. So I'm, I'm going to pick this up, try it out, see see if I like it or not. Um, I was kind of torn between a number one and a number two this week, and it was more going to be based off of whatever anyone else picked. But uh, I'm going to go with the number one instead, and this is actually Spider-Man number one. And this is starring Miles Morales. This is written by Brian Michael Bendis and written, or I'm sorry, drawn by Sarah Pacelli, the exact same team that they actually had working over on Miles Morales before in the Ultimate Universe. Um, I've never read the actual Ultimate Spider-Man with Miles in it, but anytime Miles has popped up in the actual Marvel Universe, I've really enjoyed seeing him alongside everyone else. And now that he's a card-carrying member of the Avengers, this is one of those books that I think I'm I'm going to enjoy. Uh, I've learned that I really like those kind of outside Spider-Man books more than I like the actual Spider-Man books starring Peter Parker now. So, hey, uh, why not add Miles to the list since I'm already reading Silk and Mm Spider-Woman? Makes sense. John's not back yet, is he? No, he is back. I'm right here. Hey, I didn't even hear you come back. Welcome back. I'm silent like a ghost. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that is very interesting. I'm glad you're going to read that, but not as excited as I am for this read coming up. And now... Wait, John, did you ever send it? I don't think I got it. Yeah, I sent it. It's on the Facebook it... message. Behind yeah, the scenes. Me... Look Behind the scenes stuff. I don't think I got it. You, you got it. Oh, there it is. I know you got it. I had my phone on silent. 
Sorry, I didn't see it. Continue! And now, a dramatic reading from Rat Queens, number 11, page 6, panel 1. All candy must be eaten! And that was a dramatic reading of Rat Queens, number 11, page 6, I would panel have never- 1. I would have never read it like that, but they, that is exactly the right oh, read. Oh, that is exactly it. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I didn't know what it was going to sound like when I was starting to get ready for it, and that's what it was. No, that was good. It, it was very uh, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Uh, I, I was going to represent the Lollipop Guild after <laughs> I uh, finished up here, guys. We didn't know what our top ten list of the best DC comic book stories would be before we sat down to start recording this episode until... We don't know a lot of things before we start recording. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and th- ah, that's we... one of the things is when we were talking in last week's episode, Paul had mentioned that Wonder Woman would be in his top ten list of greatest stories ever told by DC, which got me to think, hey, we've never done that. We're coming on seven years of doing this show... And we've never sat down to say what we thought this was going to be. And instead of how we usually do things where we just throw out a title and that goes into our top ten, this is one that we actually sat down together, talked through, each of us brought ten books, and pieced those together Mm -hmm. to create a top ten list. Sorry, I I opened my boulevard. That sounds good. Uh, Some of us are very sorry that we didn't record that discussion because I thought it was a very good discussion. But then again, I think it was a very good discussion because I was leading it. <laughs> like, and I was defending all my picks. I'm like, why don't you guys love this as much as I do? And then, and then our reasoning why these the and then these went, books are on there. That makes sense, guys. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, um, honestly, that would have been a good not episode. Yeah, just to have us like us defending the honorable mentions, kind of. Yep. Uh, and also, we were stone cold sober. Yeah, so it might make more sense than this actual episode, <laughs> as I glowed this beer down. Yeah. What? What? Well, I'm, taking a, I'm taking a pause here. I want to rinse the glasses if we're gonna <laughs> if we're gonna do this beer. We should do it right. We should All do right. it right. And to do this beer right, uh, you got to age it. Uh, we are drinking our two thir- 2013 bottle of Dogfish Head. 120 minute IPA. It's been around in my basement for half as long as we've been doing the podcast. <laughs> so, Paul, how can you sit on one beer like this, but the rest of them that you have down there, like I'm going to drink it? You know why? Because John bought this beer. He paid money. The other John, ones just, that I you paid to buy for. all of Paul's beer now. We, when I brought Very this, true. when I brought this beer here, I had two 120s. One was meant to age, one was meant to drink, and when we drank it, we pretty much sat down and said why bother with this beer why bother with the price why bother with anything with mm-hmm. this beer uh and because it, it's how much per bottle oh, it's a lot it's like 12 dollars a bottle somewhere in there yep. it's probably it's probably 12 to 14 dollars per bottle somewhere crazy in there in a lot of places per 12 ounce bottle not a bomber this is a 12 ounce regular standard size bottle okay. and a lot of places don't take care of this bottle if you go to like the uh beer mart kind of a store consumers that we have in our area you go up and this beer this expensive beer is sitting behind the register in the light 
right, right in the window and also right under a heating vent because it's near a window. And you go, why Why would anyone buy that beer? This beer was not bought in those circumstances and has sat and sat and sat. And I keep going, I think it's might have aged enough. Paul, has this beer aged enough? It can age even longer. It's, yeah? It's... It's a barley wine right now. It is it, a barley wine. It tastes like a barley wine. If you were to be like, hey, Paul, I just bought this new barley wine, and I'm saying barley wine a lot, and now <laughs> I'm slurring my words, which is fun. Uh, <laughs> I would believe you. I, I would think this is like the, uh, hey, forget the vanilla and all that other flavors of um, Mother of All Storms and just think barley wine. This is it. Like, it's it's like licking an envelope over and over again uh it's it's thick for an ipa it this is supposed to be an ipa right like this, this is, is an ipa so when you say thick for an ipa do you mean kind of like the um like liquid gold like the mouthfeel it's just it just coats the tongue like you bring it back and it's just oh there. It just lingers forever and ever and ever. It just keeps going. Yeah. This beer is... It doesn't dry you out. It just sits on your palate. In 2013, when this was brewed, mm-hmm. do you want to guess the percentage? I'm going to guess somewhere in the 12 range. Higher. 14? Higher. 16? Higher. Mm. I'm I'm leaning back and I'm like what? How? Eighteen percent? Seventeen point five. Oh my god! Well, give it to me for a rounding area. All right, I, give it, I can give it to I you for it, rounding. I gave it four guesses. Paul, you've been like I don't think this was caught on on microphone. I think this was like mid show mm-hmm. stuff. You were like, how is this not a barley wine? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still. And I, I would believe like that 17 percent from barley wine. This this beer and I, at 17.5 percent, I can understand why we rated it so low and we said undrinkable. Mm-hmm. With age on this, yes, very barley wine. You lose any hop characteristic that could mm-hmm. be there. I am enjoying. I'm enjoying it as a sipping beer as well. It's, I, it's, I feel this bad is that we're drinking it now. A great sipping beer. I, to this a, is to this a is, point, yes. This is us watching a movie and a Nick Cage movie and just like <laughs> laughing our butts off while sipping on this beer. That's the kind of beer this is. This is a great shirt with friends. Just like if we split this uh, this twelve percent or this twelve ounce bottle three ways, there's more than enough beer to enjoy between yeah. the three of yep. us uh, it, while watching a movie in a and sense, just having fun. I and and still get tore up. I, I, that's I, big. Yeah, I remember us not liking this beer and i've had it before where i've had it and i've enjoyed it chris you and i have had it uh in years past and have always enjoyed it but when we had it it was one of those things that it was like the redheaded stepchild of our beer cellar no we're not going to have that and when we finished these two clown shoes i went downstairs and this is seriously this is what i thought i went downstairs and i said all right let's grab something that's not High mm-hmm. alcohol. <laughs> I looked over the Lagunitas hairy eyeball. I looked over the. Oh, I haven't had that in forever. I looked past a couple of things that we had in there, and I said, "Oh, the dogfish head. Let's just. I've been eyeing that in the cellar. Let's have that." I looked at the bottle, 
does not say percentage of alcohol to it. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, it's got to be, as your first guess, 12%. Yeah. We're going to split a 12% small bottle of it. Don't need it. If I known it was going to have this rich, raisiny characteristic, yeah. this mm-hmm. does, as you said, it tastes like an aged barley wine. Mm-hmm. It really does. It is... John, I no longer... If anybody needs to rob this house right now, they can. <laughs> because all my doors are ripped off the frame. Tore off the frame. Oh, sorry. Yeah, get, Tore off the frame. Get the vernacular correct. Like Anybody can just come in and just take our recording equipment. Mm, the, or, or the beer. Or the beer. Do, I don't know if I have too much beer in your cellar anymore, but don't. <laughs> Please don't, but it's all torn off the frame. What can I do? I, there's no stopping anybody. I'm not Batman. Yeah. This is definitely something that, in in a certain sense of it, shouldn't be drunk for the podcast. It yeah. should be something more that we're sitting down, the three of us mm. as a group of friends. If Playing I could a board game, like if I could go. turn back time, in mm-hmm. the words of Cindy Lauper, I would, and I would save this for the three of us when we're together because we're already saving beers. Isn't that share? I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's uh, share. You're thinking time after time. Time after time. Thank you. Uh, okay. But if I could, I would bring this back to when you're with us, Chris, because I kept thinking this is just, in a sense, get it out of the cellar. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I understand it, and I can, I can take the loss on this one because when we've had the 120 before, it's been like one of those, like, it's good, but... It's not worth the price that you're paying for it. Good, yeah. And it makes me think. Like about last me. time I saw 120 on the shelf, I think it was at Premier, and it was like twelve dollars for just one bottle, and not even like bomber size bottle. This is just your typical twelve fluid ounces. Sorry, I'm, I'm being attacked by a cat. And she's like digging into my hand. Uh, but yeah, just and I, I couldn't even justify paying that price for it. I mean, you gotta let go. Oh my god! Sorry, <laughs> it really hurts. I'm thinking like I need to cut her nails like right now. Um, Fucking cats! This beer, having had it, and we talked about this with the um, Goose Island. Is it worth that price point? Blah 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 blah. I would pick up yeah. another bottle of 120 and sell her it for five years. Yeah. So you're seeing one bottle, like twelve bucks or whatever it's at now. Pro- probably more because I was looking up the prices on this bottle already. And you then you I buy was, like one or two, even just say like yeah. sit on it for that long. Mm-hmm. At least five years, I w- because we went three, and we're like well, it could still go more. Yeah, it could. Uh, I I, and it made me look up Utopia and be like. Well, <laughs> so nothing worth that price. Two hundred bucks, like maybe, maybe I should. No, this beer. Yeah, um, but for our ten guys, for the ten year anniversary of the Bagman Boardcast, you want to sit on that beer for four years when you're looking at your cellar, being like, "What can I drink now?" <laughs> yeah, but that one I could keep for four years without a problem because I kept this 2013 without a problem. Because you had it and you were – anytime I said, like, oh, we have that 120, 
your eyes would roll. Chris's eyes would roll. We'd all go like, oh, jeez. We would say that about Utopia as well. I, I've had it fresh. Like, it's it's yeah, drinkable. It's still, good. it's still good. It's it's something that you want to have. Okay. You need a frame of, frame of reference. You need to have had that. You fresh. need a frame of reference for it to tore the door <laughs> off of. Frames. All right. Frames. For our 2000... Participles. They for, have them in language. We don't use them. For our two comic co- books. For our 10-year anniversary of the podcast when we finally do our first Kickstarter. <laughs> or that, whatever year that is. Uh, part of our uh, stretch goals will to be to buy us our own utopia. Okay. Um, no, this beer, I I honestly think mm. it is worth buying and selling. It's worth that price of emission. Yeah. Um, I. It's it's a time investment, and and as an economics major, future value of money is always worth more than present value of money. I do not, and I think. No matter what the inflation rate is, this this is a good investment. Like this is a new gold standard. This is, honestly, like oh, Paul, I could put twelve dollars down into a uh, cash COD and then get five percent back on my value. I'm like, nope. To get the uh, the dogfish head one twenty, it's a better investment. Paul, I can get fifteen percent value on my money. Nope. Get, get the dogfish head at uh, 120 Up until, like, maybe 50%, you know, on a $10 investment, I think you're breaking more than even on your investment here because uh, this is just good all around. I think you're, 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 breaking, uh, you're breaking more than even. And you're like, breaking good. And like you said, like, I, if we knew... If we knew from the beginning what this was going to be like... This is a retirement beer. Yeah. This is just... Three years is great, mm-hmm. but this beer, the way it tastes, it's if got you, it's got more time on it. If you buy a bottle now, in your 20s or in your 30s, and then you're on your deathbed, and they're like, Grandpa, you had a, such a great life. It's You've done everything you wanted. You saw, you saw the pyramids. You saw the great, you know... The, the Grand Canyon, everything in life you've accomplished. You had a great family, you had a great life. You say to that grandchild and say, "Grandchild, grab me out that bottle of one of the great, uh, the great uh, dogfish head one twenty, and pour me a glass." <laughs> and this is the last thing you do on Earth. I think you did well. Yeah. I think I think you won. You won. You won. Or you, you see St. Paul at the gates, uh, the Pearl of Gates, and, <laughs> and he says, you did what? You're in! You won! You won Earth! My favorite moment of this is going to be going, and Chris, what are you drinking? <laughs> oh, this is this... the beer you drink. We're drinking the beer you drink on your deathbed. Oh, and Chris, what are you having? <laughs> uh, I, I and, forgot and, I had a beer because I was cheering up over the one that you guys had. We're drinking fucking Shakespeare here. Uh, and just to let you know, 2016, one, 
Paul has his arm in his elbow, his head in his elbow. I'm pretty sure he's crying right now. He's seen the light of God, and it is 120. Uh, <laughs> uh, 2016s, 18%. Wow. So you need to buy a 2016 and sit on it for another. He's wiped the years. tears from his eyes. He's calmed a little bit, but I mean, he's still. Uh, Paul, you can know. see the tears running down your nose. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I need to live anymore. He doesn't need to live anymore, everybody. I've accomplished everything. And I that's to. that's only after a three-year-old 120. If you have something that's longer. Oh my gosh! Um, Just really kill yourself, and we'll hear older no, drink head to the bag broadcast. <laughs> oh oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was gonna say, drink this bottle, break it, and then cut your wrist because you don't need to live any longer. Uh, but yeah, no, please, please I give us. You're flying too close to the sun. Um, I think out of everything we've ever aged, this is the thing that it it's. It's great right now, but wow, we could have put more time on it. I know. And three I, three I, years. I, like I am Balak right now in Raiders of the Lost Ark, talking about the radio to God. And it's like, Indy's trying to explain to me how great this is, like if I aged it longer and I just don't believe him. I, I found the radio to God. And it's, it's like... Three years, too, is probably possibly one of the longest things we've aged something that actually... Yeah needs to be besides, besides like the Ithaca stuff that we just yeah. held on to because we we enjoyed it as what it was at mm-hmm. yeah. and we wanted to see how it aged and then we were like ooh last year was a better year yeah we we found the breaking point for that beer yeah 14 14 we um, find the breaking point so you don't have to listeners <clears throat> 14 was uh three years mm-hmm. and that that held on because that was a great beer on its own and just like continue yeah. down that path like that that fourth year did not do that beer service. Chris, we've been talking like 10, 15 minutes about this one beer. <laughs> I, I, I really it, it deserves talk it. talk about my beer now, though. Don't feel bad about your beer because, one, you didn't spend $12 on it or and also no, three I, I, years. I did because it was a bummer. But you didn't also spend three years on it. No, that's true. Um, like I said kind of earlier in the show, this is from Boulevard Brewing. This is part of their Smokestack series. And this is their Imperial Stout, the uh, tart cherry stout. If it would end with my whole, like, darker beer paired with cherry. Didn't work out in the end. Uh, it's stupid to say this now after you guys have been gushing about the uh, doctor's head. <laughs> this one's good, but I'd like, to, I'd like to see where it turns up next year. Like <laughs> uh, This is one of those beers that when you drink it, you're like, okay... It's got a really nice tart cherry on the on the front. Like the stout, I don't get besides the fact that like, oh, this is a darker beer. Like when I took the sip of this, I was like, oh, it's I could drink all of this right now. Mm-hmm. But it's really selling me on the fact that I need to go back and buy another bottle and just sit on it for at least a year to see what these flavors become. Yeah, because yeah. it's a lot of that tart cherry up front. This is actually one. This, this is kind of what I wanted from mixing my Imperial Coffee Stout and my Mosh Pit. Like, this is this is kind of what I wanted the flavors to be together. But now that I've had it, I'm like, oh, I want more. 
and I, I think that just speaks to us in general. But yeah, that, that's my thoughts after drinking your come to God beer. So. <laughs> yeah. The beer that I just looked at and said, I only got a few oh, man, more drinks only a left, bit and left. I might be sad. From well, but I I will be buying another bottle of this next time I go to the store because they had a lot of them. Off. This, next time I go to the store, I'm buying. Another I I, I don't know how long I can sit on it. Like I'm not a beer ager. Um, mm-hmm. The only time that I've aged beer has been like the stuff that we bought for the show that we're like, oh, let's sit on this. We'll drink it next it, year. We'll drink another one the year after that. It was. The I, stuff- I've never like in solitude aged a beer before it was so. it was our stuff that we would buy and leave at paul's house and it was his problem to do <laughs> yeah. drinking because we were constantly buying beer and leaving there that and saying mm-hmm. out of sight out of mind we don't have to think about drinking that and then when you do go and look at that beer cellar you have that frame of reference and you have the other two guys going oh no no we want to put a little more time on yeah, that yeah. uh so he has a good devil, bad devil on the shoulders. Exactly. Uh, which, like, we have that Bigfoot down there. We have three years. Was it 2014? We have 2012, 23, and 2014. Maybe 15? I don't remember. I, don't, um, I purposely don't look at that side of the basement. <laughs> but to me... That's what we need! To me, to me, I was thinking about picking up 2016... Mm-hmm. And doing another tasting with those. And my thought process for there was no. We had the three-year-old version mm-hmm. that we said was perfection. Yeah. Don't drink fresh knowing that you can get better. I was going to say we need to get that last aged bottle to that three-year-old mm-hmm. and then drink down the line. We don't need to buy any of those current ones because... They're good beers, but they're not barley wines at that mm-hmm. point. They're that American version of barley wine, which is hoppy. Yeah. Um, so to me, I was thinking, man, three years, 2018, drinking uh, thir- you know, 13, 14, 15, or whatever, whatever number. I, I forget what numbers we have down there. But like a 13, 14, 15 at a three-year-old a four-year-old and a five-year-old, and we have multiple bottles of those, so we can age them even longer. It sounds like heaven to me. I I do think, like, when it comes to um, this Boulevard one, I'm going to buy two more bottles of it, and I'm going to bring them in my luggage when I come back to Buffalo in March, just to, like, have on the show and then put one in your care to age. Because I really do want to see what this becomes. And I think if it's something that I had on my own to age, like within a couple months, I'd probably drink it again and be like, oh, yeah, it's it's closer to what I want, but it's not there yet. Um, so I can only trust you guys to do it because I know you'd feel bad if you drank yeah, it. Yeah, it's one of those things that you definitely know you cannot drink without the person who gave it to you. Uh, and easily, I can put it in, my, in mine and totally forget about it because I have... I have so many. I have our. I have that big dick and serial killer aging in my cellar right now. Oh, big dicks is so good. I have. And this is the Arcadia, the big dicks old mm-hmm. ale. Yeah, I have. I didn't like it when we first had it. Though. I have Rasputin aging in there. Oh, I have. Be so good. I have one bottle 
And I will... Otter Creek, Russian Imperial aging. I, I still can't find that here, too, so... Just I, a heads up, I might need one of those bottles. <laughs> okay, I have two, one earmarked for Chris. Uh, and I have Devil Dancer Aging, which Ooh. triple IPA. I even... Do you I, think it's going to last, though, as an IPA? I, I think uh, it could. I'm holding 120 up at you. A triple fucking IPA aging for a year... I don't even want to drink it after a year. I yeah. want to even put. I want to put longer on it. Put long, put I, longer I think double dancer after a year would be like so mellowed out on just like that, like the heat nope. from the pepper. Not after. No, devil, not after drinking this one. Devil dancer isn't the one with the pepper. Devil dancer. Oh is wait, the, what kind of my thing? Devil about? dancer is the triple IPA. They had that other one. It was some. It it's was. Like the, like it was the, the woman. It was the one. Megan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, oh, we should have aged one of those. <laughs> I don't think I don't right. know I don't yeah Chris where were you on that we've one? gone 20 minutes now on just beer I we have a, to get to our I have a blushing monk cellaring too my mom just had a blushing monk today I know we it, need to get to our alright let's get number, into our main topic here we we broke it in half we broke we, we're gonna do five because we knew this was gonna go long little did we know we'd have a, a three year old 120 that okay you, that's your fault that is my fault I thank you for that fault. It's a wonderful fault that you have. So let's get into our, we're going to do 10 through 6. Our number 10 is, I'm looking at a post-it note that has our 1 through 5 on it. By the way. So. Our number 10 is one that both Chris and I brought to the table for this. And this is the Kevin Smith written, Who Would Have Thought? Uh, and Phil Hester drawn. Green Arrow Quiver. Uh, when we when we sat around and we actually pitched this book, this was the book that not only did it resurrect Oliver Queen, literally in the storyline in the storyline itself, but it also made us fans of the Green Arrow. It like, and this is yeah. something that I actually I think I bought it for you for your birthday in hardcover. Yes, you did because. At that time, like, we were just out of high school. We were both, like, really big Kevin Smith fans. Um, you a little bit more than I was. Uh, but it was Kevin Smith writing a comic book. And that was definitely, like, in our vein. That's something that we had both loved. So I, I think I, I gave it to you when we went to Warp Tour. I don't, yeah, I don't remember when that And, like, it. we went to Pizza Hut afterwards. Like, I think that was our day. Like, we went to Warp Tour. Like, we got, like, your mom picked us up or something. We went to Pizza and I was like, oh, here's your birthday present. It, and we yeah. had, like, buffet. But my, my hardback cover of this book is autographed by Kevin Smith. And this is one of those books, like, when you're looking at just the ultimate, like, DC Universe in general, I don't think it's one of the best books but there's just something about it that resonates so strongly when you're thinking back on dc history and this is green arrow this is a character that died during the parallax saga over in green lantern being resurrected and probably the first resurrection in dc history that paid homage to everything that came before which might become a little bit of a touchstone in DC for us. Because uh, it's so steeped in continuity, 
but it's still so fresh. And it, but it also holds true to that character, uh, even with you know him being like the bum with the trick arrows in its uh, gallon milk jug filled with water that he's using instead of the punching glove. It's something that it is like the rise of this character, you know, the re-rising of this character. Because, yeah, he dies trying to stop a bomb on a plane. That's how he's killed. His, you know, son, uh, illegitimate son, is the current Green Lantern for a few years. Green Arrow. Green Arrow, I'm sorry. Green Arrow, who then the book ends... Nobody cared. He'd pop up here and there. I liked Connor. I cared. <clears throat> but again, like I cared in the respect that it was like that legacy character. And I liked him in the same way that I liked Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern because there were two people fresh into their roles at that time, like nineteen ninety seven. And it was one of those things that they said, like, all right, we're gonna bring back this character. Who can we get? Kevin Smith? Like, it still seems, like, so odd that this book is on this, but it's one of those ones that it it touches you. It takes you from not being a fan and then reading this book and saying, wow, why haven't I been reading this character? This character is great. And it's one of those times that you will always say, this current Green Arrow is not Quiver Green Arrow, you know? I, I do have to say, I, oh, uh, go, no, go ahead, Paul, because you okay. haven't. Uh, this book goes from street level guy, you know, he comes back and he doesn't know why he's back, but suddenly he's back, to uh, gets into the myst- uh, mystical with the whole boy and the beast kind of story, and then gets tied into the greater overarching crazy DCU with Hal Jordan, like so it. It follows like a huge. It, it just steps you up. It just ramps up, and then you're just in it. Yeah. You know? Suddenly you're just like in the greater DCU with Al Jordan being the Spectre, uh, and everything that comes into like from there. John doesn't look at me with that left eye like that. <laughs> I'm, left. I'm sorry. I'm like I have I one sip left of this beer, and I'm just breathing it. Mm-hmm. Chris, go ahead with what you were um, about to say. No, and as much as we can come down on someone like Brian Michael Bendis for writing those long, wordy comic books, when you go back and you look at Quiver, Kevin Smith jam-packed those word balloons like with so much like conversation and exposition. But at that time, like it just read normally, and I think that just speaks to how Kevin Smith, as a filmmaker, writes dialogue like. Everything he does is so conversational and natural and flowing that it really didn't seem out of place in a comic book. And not only that, the respect he had for this character and its history, because he mm-hmm. kept all of that. Even, you know, the zero hour, him being killed and all that, yep. all that BS, he kept that. He kept the history between him and Hal Jordan, why Hal would spend that last little bit before he dies to resurrect he does, Oliver Queen. He does bring it back to the more longbow hunter version of Ollie, though. You know, and I think it's important it, to And it does tie into the story where it's Kevin Smith as a comic book fan 
bringing back a character that he cares about with mm-hmm. Oliver Queen. And he's bringing Oliver back in his golden age. Yeah. Oliver doesn't remember everything that happened after that point. Which is kind of like that Jeff Johns thing. Yeah, Jeff uh, Johns uh, before Oliver. Jeff Johns. <laughs> like, and I think we have something like the Flash rebirth and Green Lantern rebirth because of how something like Quiver actually worked. Like, you can bring back that Silver Age character with their Silver Age like version Flavor. and have it work in the current. In the because you have someone paying homage, respect, but still updating. Mm-hmm. And and this is also like I don't think this is a book we read right when it came out. It was a like a few years into us mm-hmm. getting back into comic books. And Paul, I don't know even if you were back into comic books. This is one of the ones that you're like, Paul, if you want to get into DC because this is when I was still a Marvel fanboy. Like when I first got back into comics, I went right to Marvel because you know it's that's what, what I you, grew up. With. That's what I grew up with. And you're like, Paul, no, DC is great here. Borrow this uh, hardcover trade, and I read it while working overnights at a gas station. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would make coffee. I would brew. I would wipe everything down, make the new coffee, and uh, then turn the page open to Quiver, <laughs> and like for the next. 20, 25 minutes, like, just read that book until somebody somebody, uh, somebody stumbled on it. And that that is a pretty good way to read that book, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I do kind of want to make this point known because she's been mostly forgotten. But also in this series, we had the introduction of Mia Dearden, mm-hmm. kind of the new Speedy, who becomes Speedy in the DC Universe. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very much looking back on what happened before, reintroducing, but then creating something new. And, talk, and talking about that, looking at what came before and creating something new, we go right into our ninth pick, which is DC Presents New 52, which is basically looking back at... New Frontier. Oh, New Frontier, not New 52. So many of you. You got New 52 <laughs> I did get New He's so New 52 uh, New Frontier. If I were to intro this, it's, it is it is the book that Paul had picked up and was reading that I had passed over, that he passed off to me, that I went, wow. Well, and, and same thing, because this is that book that it's like the DC Universe in the Kennedy era. Mm-hmm. You knew Darwin but, Cook had to show up somewhere on our list. He has to. Because and, he's done so much great work over at DC with some of the story arcs that he's done. Uh, but this is his quintessential like DC work, I think, is DC New Frontier. And it, as we were discussing these, and Paul might have been pushing for this to be higher on the list, and we were all saying this has to be on the list, mm-hmm finding these exact points where any of these could be higher than they Mm -hmm. are. Uh, But the one thing Paul said is this is the evergreen kind of story. And the point that I made when we were discussing this is when I think about the individual characters in Mm -hmm. here, this is the book that makes me think of them. And I said the same – I said with Flash, 
when I think of the Flash, I think of how Darwin Cook wrote and introduced, really introduced me in 2004 to the Flash, to Barry Allen. Uh, Barry Allen and the Flash, right. I had grown up... As voice says Neil Patrick Harris in the directed DVD. I had grown up with Wally West. I known, I knew that there was a Barry, but Wally West was my Flash. And knowing that he had taken over that mantle, this was really my first introduction to Barry. And it's something that always holds in my mind that first time you see him when he, you know, says what he's doing scientifically to vault himself through or over the building to catch Iris before she dies because he's sweet on her. Or that he was tricked by Captain Cold being like, oh, of course he lied. There there was one more bomb. There isn't one more bomb. He's just using that to distract me. And he goes off and... You know, Martian Manhunter, mm-hmm. Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan it doing... It cost me a quarter of a million dollars for a piece, piece of space rock to control the other alien. For you, it would only cost me a nickel for a box of, uh, box of nat- matches. Like Batman saying that to uh, Martian Manhunter. Quintessential Batman. Hal line. Jordan doing like a suicide mission and not bringing his ring with him. Like these are all moments that take these characters and say this is this character boiled down. This is everything you need to know about him. And I'm giving it to you in a page, in a panel. And to me, this is the definitive Justice League story that could be told. And I, I think a lot of this is owed just to Darwin Cook's storytelling abilities, not just as a writer, but also as an artist, because it reads like a Golden Age comic book, but with those more Bronze Age sensibilities. It, it's not overly wordy. It The story's told in the art, and you get word balloons that just kind of sell it to you. That's that's so important because as someone that started reading comics in the 80s and the 90s, I didn't like when things had to like explain to me what was happening in the book. Mm-hmm. But like Darwin just has this way of letting the artwork sell itself, and it works. And the uh, word balloons and the captions are there just to to tell you what's happening behind the thought behind it. And one of the most heartbreaking parts of this book is the John Henry Irons. Like, yeah. because he tackles the social, you know, because it's talking about, like, that era of Americana, too. You know, that uh, civil rights movement. And then you got this John Henry Irons character that's who is black, and he's fighting for, you know, the everyman. And you just get that panel that I don't want to spoil for everybody that hasn't read it yet, but it just it broke my heart, like when he's running and he's looking for help and this little girl comes to him and you think that he's going to get the help he needs oh. and that just twists on you and it's like... You're bringing it up and that made me sick. Right? Don't you... It just... And it should. I, it should because that's the effect that it should have on you as the reader. And, as a person, even. <laughs> yeah, as a human being with emotions and knowing that, you know, where we should be. Just, just the atrocities of the human race. And, and reading it now as a reader today, how far we think we should have come, 
and yet how little we've actually have come on this issue. Oh, it breaks my heart. It does every time I read it. And reading it back when it first came out over 10 years ago, reading it now, it's still like we're 10 years removed from this story, and yet we're still here. We're still yeah. here. And I think that's a mark of, I don't know, maybe how slowly we've come in society, but how great of a writer he is to point that out, to show hey. that dark mirror. I think this is something that kind of needs to be done too. Like, mm-hmm. but as long as it's done well, like the constant updating of mm-hmm. our heroes and who they are and where they fit, kind of in the time frame. Because yeah, you can throw back Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman into World War One or no. World War Two to sell those stories, but bringing them up to Cold War puts them a little bit more relevant. Mm-hmm. And I, we're not too far away from seeing these heroes being like recreated or reintroduced in our current era. It, it's going to be happening with like the United States and the world against the war against the uh, world in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Like within the next ten years, we're going to see that being like the touchstone for the new storytelling and the launching point. And maybe we're getting that over at Marvel with uh, Miss Marvel. It, and it is. And I hope someone can come in with the same care mm-hmm. and heart that Darwin Cook did with New Frontier. I think DC is pretty good when they they give those people that have these abilities to bring those. Mm-hmm. And that they're, chops. they're waiting for the person with the right chops and with the right care to bring these uh, some of it I do think is just marketing and time and this we can make the buck with, but at the same time they go, this guy's got a story to tell and what he's doing with these characters is perfect. And the flip side of like this book and how it's been told and what it's done and the fact that they still keep it you know, they put out a master's edition and they, they continue selling this. They make a DC cartoon about it is what DC does right. And when they're not trying to earn a, they're going to earn a buck, but they're not trying to earn a buck. Yeah, they're trying to tell just, a great story mm-hmm. versus like the, the dark market, the yeah. dark night three, yeah. you know, that is them getting that buck from the consumer mm-hmm. where this is giving the consumer what they wanted, but they didn't know they wanted. And I, I think Paul brought up something, not as a point, but kind of just more as an aside, when we were talking about this pre-show. New Frontier was sold at a much higher price point. It was basically double the price of any other book you would find on the stands. It had no advertisements, though. Yeah, this no, was sold as a complete story from issue to issue. No advertisements and no advertisements either it was it was this is also the book that paul got us to read Mm -hmm. and he absolutely always forgets about this book yeah because when we were bringing in our favorite versions of characters uh maybe eight ten twelve thirteen twenty episodes ago i brought up the version of flash from this book and paul was like Damn it! I forgot about New Frontier. When I put when I put this it on my, alone. it's its own thing. It's like forever 
off to the side. When I put this story on my top ten, Paul was like, damn it. Why did I forget about New Frontier? It is the one DVD. It is the one direct-to-DVD thing from DC that I still keep today. And it is... What is it off? Like, what are you doing? No, you're st- you're talking on your microphone, but you're always off. So I turned okay. it so at least you're talking right. into your microphone. And it's the one directed DVD from DC that I that I'm always going to keep. And it is the one I don't have it in a collected volume because I spent so much money on it in the single issues uh, that I'm always going to have forever and ever. Yeah. And, but it is in the single issues, so it is in a box. So it is kind of out of sight out of mind but man darwin cook paint his ultimate work written and drawn mm-hmm. and i think if there's one story that i want to get everybody hooked on for this one character it's going to be this one and this is brian azarello's and cliff chang's run on wonder woman which started back you know during the new 52 in 2011 ran until 2014 three years uh, 23 issues. I think this is an epic story that rivals what George Perez did back in the 1980s with Wonder Woman. It's kind of a coming home if you take those two story arcs together because it is a Wonder Woman who is this warrior, who is this battler of mythic creatures who will use a sword, will, will who is willing to kill you know, predators and monsters but has that heart and decency of the superhero that we all want to root for. And what Cliff Chang does with the creation of the god, the old, I'm putting old in quotes because, you know, DC, they have the new gods as well. Uh, the old gods, uh, the reimagining of them, I think is a great, I, I, you know, this is an epic story. This should be like one of the foundations for what the DC universe is. If you're going to have the new gods, then you better have a story arc that just explains who the old gods are. And this Wonder Woman series from Brian Azrael and Cliff Chang sets that foundation. And anybody that doesn't want to put this in the best story arcs of DC universe has to come through me. <laughs> uh, this is one of the books that we've read the first volume for mm-hmm. a trade and policy. Yep. It's a book that I would constantly pick up from you. Mm-hmm. And when we were going to be recording back in the day, Paul would just have all his books for the month laying on mm-hmm. in his, in our office on the deck, like on his bed, his guest bedroom. And I would pick it up and it was the book I'd always pick up and I'd thumb through. I have all of your loose issues mm-hmm. that I've read maybe half of yeah. just because I don't have that t- much time to read. If I'm going to be reading, it's going to be newer stuff. It's going to be saga. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a couple issues behind on that. Uh, new issue uh, 33 does come out this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those ones that I appreciate. I understand your love for this. And that's one of the reasons why it's on here. And the epicness of this book is one of the reasons why it's here right it, it it i think this rivals what the creation of the new gods does from uh Hulk curry jack curry i think this is a modern version of that but with the old gods 
Chris, I didn't let you talk at all. I'm sorry. No, and that's okay because you could sell this book better than mm-hmm. I probably ever could because as much as I enjoyed it, I still haven't read all of it. Right. right. I understand. Um, and, and that's the fault against me, not against the book, because like I have long read Brian Azrael's writing. Um, mm-hmm. Even something that you hated with like 100 Bullets, like I read that entire series and loved it. And then Cliff Chang's art is just fantastic. Like everything this guy's done, mm-hmm. it's gorgeous and full of emotion and storytelling. It's um, and even when you sat down and like made us read Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. you didn't have to make us read it. Like we were both, I think, like yeah, totally. Like, we'll read Wonder Woman. Well, I've been selling it for a good two years before I made you guys when we finally started the trading policy, and I'm like, yep, number one. First one for my pick. Uh, it just makes sense. And, you know, DC constantly says they have a tri- uh, trinity. They have a trinity. It's Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman, honestly, you got the George Perez in the 1980s. You got maybe the Greg Rucka uh, with her being a political adv- you know, advocate for Themyscira. And then you have this run. And I think this one, this run from Ryan Israel and Cliff Chang outshine the other two. And like, it, great. it capitalizes on what this character should be, mm-hmm. what the involvement this character on a single issue series, on her own series, mm-hmm. what it should encapsule. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're going to see the likes of this story run again no. till somebody who's a prolific writer comes onto it with mm-hmm. another great idea. And this idea isn't even that great. It's just the proper telling of mm-hmm. this character's story. It's letting it. It's it's the proper writer coming onto it, having that prestige to be like editors, get out of my way, let me tell the story. Because DC, I think, is so afraid to tell a story where Wonder Woman is that warrior princess. You know, to, sorry, Xena, uh, to let her. Put down the monster. Do just let her kill the, the adversaries that are in her way that have no redemption. To to not let her be Superman or Batman, where she's like, no, I'm going to send her to uh, you know Blackgate Prison or send her to Arkham. Nope. Infinite Crisis when yep. she breaks yep, Max Warlords. Lord. Yep. That is that character boiled down, mm-hmm. and the writers working on that knew yeah. that. But and the editorial staff was like. Well, maybe we should back off. Maybe we shouldn't do this. And and it's funny that it's one of the more edgier writers writing Wonder Woman. Yeah. And I think it takes an edgier edgier writer to get that right. Because Wonder Woman is and should be an edgy character. Yeah. Ooh, talking about edgy. And getting things right in. Chris, you want to introduce number seven? Sorry, I don't have a list in front of me. What's number seven? Kingdom Come. Ooh, Kingdom Come, and this, this is, has been yeah. this is the Elseworlds series that became a little bit more than that, written by Mark Wade with art by Alex Ross, and this is kind of the Twilight of the Gods with the future of the DC universe, where the superheroes are all a little bit more aged, and we have a new generation of superheroes taking over, and things aren't going so well, and it takes Superman coming out of retirement to rouse all the old guard. Uh, come back to show them how things are supposed to have been done. This is 
after the Joker somehow lets out a nuclear blast in Metropolis and kills Lois Lane, Superman goes into retirement, and you, uh, basically overpowered superhero Magog takes over the reins of the Justice League. He's the one that let out the nuclear blast. Oh, he's, yeah. Joker killed Lois Lane, Mm -hmm. which was the start of Superman not fulfilling the killing of a villain. Mm -hmm. And Magog did that, which then put Superman into retirement because he couldn't, he wasn't what the 90s comics yeah. were, uh, were. The extreme! Exactly. And this is a story that kind of con- t- continues on to today with uh, even, like, outside of comic books, like Injustice, Gods Among Us, the, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat video game. Uh, it's basically it's a, the surprisingly same good Mortal Kombat video yeah. game. I have a lot of fun with it. I'm still playing it. Um, even in the app version. It, it's, it's a highly recommended comic book series people love that series it's still going on oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it's had multiple is it in like the second or third volume i think now? third, third volume. volume jeez but this is i think kingdom come basically becomes what it is the future that dc the pre-52 dc universe was becoming we see that in the Jeff Johns Justice Society of America with Gog showing up and Alloy. And it seems like that's what the DMC universe was marching towards. Well, it was those writers paying homage mm-hmm. to this series that happened probably about 10 years before them actually taking on these roles, but saying, hey, this is. 1996. 1996 for this, for this series. Um, and we probably didn't read it till 2003. One, 2003, somewhere around there. Um, but it, this is actually like one of the first series I passed off to you. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying, can I let my borrow my brother borrow this? Mm-hmm. And having him read it, and then him being not as impressed and being like, this guy's not right for me. Uh, but, but no, th- those writers took homage to this to say, this is where it is mm-hmm. all leading to. Yeah. yeah, and like they actually came out and said this was the like canon future of the DC universe. At one point, they said this is where everything is going to kind of come to. And I think that's really important. It was it was what was important to DC prior to New Fifty Two. Hmm. I actually had this as my number one. Hmm. Um, because it's so referential, not just to like comic books, like with the characters, but the stories as well, and just the ultimate, like, hey, here's where we're going with the books in the like mid '90s, and just like the tone of everything, and how this isn't right. This isn't where we're supposed to be, like, and yeah. much like they were saying with the heroes of that age. They're also saying with the genre and the medium in general, like we can be so much more than what we're aiming for and what we've become that they had to bring that old guard in. 20 years later, don't you feel like this makes as much sense then as it does now? Because the I, whole like, version no, I, of I'm like, gonna, I'm gonna just kill that, everybody. Paul, Paul yeah, go I'm going to argue that because look at everything that we picked as like our favorite books mm-hmm. and our favorite writers and artists. Like, it's all people with like that completely 
different style and take and storytelling aesthetic almost and vision yeah like it every everyone that we've been picking as like hey here's our favorite writer here's our favorite artist like it's all just a little bit more outside the box like every year Mm -hmm. we're getting more kind of off the charts but in line with what people are responding to like everything that we're saying like yeah this is what you should be reading or this is how it should be done it's the people that aren't telling those like crazy big like earth shattering stories it's the like hey here's Batgirl telling like the story of the small like mm-hmm. borough in Gotham. Right, it's right, right. Miss Marvel coming in as like that minority character that's just woken up with these powers. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's the complete different take on things that it's a little bit more resonating, and we're getting so far away from that. Like big, like hey, we're going to talk about siege or fear itself. Like that's not what we look for in storytelling. And, and we've, right. we've talked about this before, too. Mm-hmm. I, I'm saying that societally, though, like if we look at where we're going as society with the like justice extreme, like let's build walls around the United States and let's just, you know, block everybody out that we don't trust. Like that's the Magog versus the, you know, the Superman of the kingdom come. I, I think yeah. societally... I think we're still at this point, and I still think the story touched, touches upon where we are at as an American culture right now. I think. Oh, I agree. Is, okay, that's the point I was trying to make. I do agree with you that I think the better stories and the better I, entertainment value. I went a little value. bit more like in vain with what we do. Oh yeah, yeah. The entertainment I, value. I didn't, I didn't think. I thought locally, not globally. So that's all on mm-hmm. me. No, no. I think you're right. Entertainment value wise, we're we're trying to escape the you know big society like talking points because they weigh so heavily on us so we want to have those more individual more personal stories and I think that's what makes those stories great right now and talking about very personal stories we have one in our number six pick which is uh, Identity Crisis which is Brad, uh, Brad Meltzer's basically story of what happens when the Fireman or the policeman comes home, takes off the uniform, and is trying to keep just his family safe. Uh, art by Rex Morales. Yeah, art by uh, Rex Morales, who who did come out and say that he wishes he did something different with the series because Rex Morales came out and said what he was trying to do was cast everybody, like. Uh, a, Digme, Ralph Digme was, um, what's his Is name? Is it Jimmy Stewart? No, um, uh, no, from, uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah. Dick Van Dyke? Dick Van Dyke. Okay. He cast him as Dick Van Dyke. So he did this casting and he thought he would be, you know, would stay evergreen a little bit more, but he's, he sees that now looking at the story on a whole, the characters aren't the characters, they're the characters cast as somebody else. I, I, I think it still works though because there is a heart to those characters, and whether you can like see them as someone or not, like you still view them as human. And those characters seem more familiar to yeah. you. Um, I didn't have this on my top ten list. I I do agree that it is one of the best story arcs because you get those character moments, those heartbeat moments of 
especially Green Arrow, where he's just like, no, this is Deathstroke. This is what he's going. Oh, Barry's when, are, uh, when Death's Barry. when, doing what he's going to do, and I know Deathstroke's in front of him. Deathstroke, like the the moment where Brad Metzler writes Ollie recognizing and watching Deathstroke take down the Justice mm-hmm. League members that are in front of him, that him saying like off the starting line. Deathstroke is just as fast as Flash for that first step. He watches him take that character out. He watches him take Black Canary out. He watches him at the moment holding on to Kyle Rayner's hand. That's that's the moment that gets me where he's just like, I hear your weapon's based off of willpower. I've always wanted to test that. And he's not even wearing the ring. He's holding the fist Mm -hmm. of Kyle Rayner, and you see that he's starting to manifest something. And Green Arrow says, I know I need to do something different. Mm -hmm. I need to not do what he's not expecting. I know that an arrow in the eye even it's going to take someone out. Even if it's just an eye socket, will stop him for a fraction of the second mm-hmm. to give everyone else that moment. It's one of the greatest moments of mm-hmm. Green Arrow. Uh, it's a great moment within a great murder, murder mystery, mystery. Yep. of itself. And that's what this book is. It's a great murder mystery. Where and you're just... We kept... Like well, there was conversations and, between all three of us, where and, like we're trying to figure out who's who, the who's, who's the, the villain. villain, and not only that, the repercussions that this book made, mm-hmm. it sent shockwaves through the rest of the comic books and through even into Infinite Crisis. Yeah, it, this was the start of the Dan DiDio's epic. I think if we're gonna say anything about Dan DiDio's run as editor in chief, it starts here with Identity Crisis, because that billboard, that five-year plan, all plays out, and the the starting uh, stone in the river is this story here. And they let him tell a very personal story. I I think at the same time, like, that Changing Point was taking those smaller, maybe not as well-known characters Mm -hmm. and finding a way to make you care about them. Yeah. Like, by, by the end of this, I was like, I, I want to know about Ralph and Sue. Mm-hmm. I want to find out like who they are. What, what do they do? Uh, even like different book, not on our list, but something like Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Yeah, that eighty-page like special. Yeah, like they could that buy. One. I don't remember if it was like it was one dollar. It was one dollar. Like mm-hmm. that made me care about Blue Beetle. And by the end of that, I was like, I I, I love Blue Beetle. Why is he gone now? Mm-hmm. And it's a character I had no interest in before and Ted Cord, Blue Beetle not Yami Raz oh he, but he, he, he oh, was Yami, great too Yami is great is great um, but that that but that that's what they did with this current like generation mm-hmm. of DC where they brought these characters in and it might not have been someone that you knew or knew well but you took note of them and everything we love about comics now that small character driven story where it is just that one character up against a plot or a, a hardship and just very personal Hawkeye, Batgirl, you know, everything what, what that we're enjoying reading now has keystones, has, has tendrils in the story because they have those character, those very personal character moments where it's like, what really matters to you? 
Robin going back to see his dad because he's like, nope, family matters for me most, and then everything else comes second. Yeah. And I think it's all here in Identity Crisis. That phone call of his father being like, I love you, son. Oh. I'm proud of you. Yep. Somebody's in here. Yeah. It's not good. And watching that, watch, watching Robin mm-hmm. deal with that, and then also then watching young Captain Boomerang, the Captain Boomerang's yeah. son who just got connected with his father, be it him being a villain or not, that connection between those two, mm-hmm. it all means something. And then him, the Captain Boomerang just being like, I'm, I'm doing this for my boy. I'm doing this because... I'm getting paid. Yeah. I'm getting that money where I can do something different. I'm taking this one leap. Mm-hmm. I'm up. I'm a. I'm a sellout. I'm yeah. the bottom of the barrel. But if I do this, I can have something that I can give yeah. my son. I mean, come on. Yeah. Brad Meltzer doesn't make you feel just for the heroes of the story, but also the he, villains. He makes you feel for everybody that's happening in here. Even even with the the reason why Hawkeye or Hawkeye Hawkman and Green Arrow don't see eye to eye, mm-hmm. he gives you the point of why yeah. in this, and it makes so much sense. Even though it just it's not exactly why that mm-hmm. it was written years ago that it was in, intended for. This book gives it everything about this book is amazing. It's yeah. great. It sells every bit. Of it, it's one of the best stories. It is. It's, the DC I, I, I think it's worth noting that this was an event comic that didn't really read like an event comic. Mm-hmm. This wasn't something like Infinite Crisis or Civil War or Siege, where it was there was no red change, like changing the face of the mm-hmm. current comic book like storytelling. It was it's more character driven. Mm-hmm. This is that small, close-knit group of characters that it basically just impacted those involved in it more than anything else. But it told such a like heart-wrenching story, mm-hmm. and it impacted the characters involved so much that you couldn't help but think about everything that happened afterwards. Because it might not have changed everything. Like some like Secret Invasion, where like, oh, you don't know who to trust anymore because anyone could be a scroll. It was like. No, you don't know who to trust anymore because, like, they're wiping people's memories. Like, mm-hmm. people that shouldn't be trusted don't know they shouldn't be trusted anymore. Where it didn't change the scene of the universe, it changed the tone of the universe. I think that's the most important thing that uh, Identity Crisis did. And kind of to sum up what you were saying, Chris. it's one of the biggest yes, is one of the biggest reasons why I miss Brad Metzler in comic books. <laughs> Like, I understand he's got his own thing he's doing. and he's Yeah, but every time I'm like, oh, he just announced uh, a prose. He just finished up his prose novel. He's coming back to comic books, right? <laughs> he's coming back. Because that's what he used to do. He would do one prose novel, then kind of some comic book work. Prose, comic book work. Or just a novel. Uh, he has done things well, in... prose is a novel. Well, he's done things in the comic book world, but he's writing for his daughter. He's mm-hmm. writing for his son. He's writing for... The history that everybody should know. I have kids. I will be buying those books because they're aimed for kids to learn about yeah. American history and heroes, find heroes for my daughter, heroes for my son. They're all well, great you, books. They're all great books. 
I'm not buying them now, but I'm looking. Well, I'm not his daughter or son, so I can't. Yeah, uh, and I don't have one oh. of those. But when I do, maybe I will. I will. But even when he wrote the Last Will and Testament, the book for like Geoforce and Final Crisis, like <sighs> mm-hmm. I, I took note of that because it was Fred Meltzer coming back to write a character in the DC universe. And I remembered what he had done over on Identity it, Crisis. It wasn't just and then, Geoforce, though. It, it was also Black Lightning. It, and it I was, think he did but, a better oh, Black Lightning But story. Black Lightning, he came back big and, like, I can't remember if it was uh, Submit, the Final Crisis. Yeah, and then he comes back. But I like the Black Lightning stuff more than the Geoforce stuff in that series. That's awesome. But it, it was Geoforce. It was a character that I didn't care about and I don't think anyone cared about. Nope. So to have Brad Meltzer come in and be like, no, I'm going to tell a story. Geoforce is going to be the vessel for this. You really took note of it. And it was so heartfelt and fantastic. Like, And that's what he can bring into comics. And it's not something that you get from that normal month-to-month editorial. Like, hey, let's tell a big story. Even though Final Crisis was like a huge story and, according to Grant Morrison, like one of the last stories you would read... To tell that kind of tale is – it's impressive. Yeah. Uh, so those are our top five. five. Or bottom top. Bottom, bottom top five. Yeah. Thank bottom you. Ten top through five. Six. Ten through six. Do we want to mention one of our honorable mentions, honorable mentions right now and then do the other one uh, with the top five? Well, we're I, like, almost, I like that idea. We're almost at two hours, guys. Oof. So I think we should do honorable mentions after our number ones. Okay. Hopefully okay. we'll have more time then. <laughs> all right. We won't oh, get into long discussions about one twenty. No, no, we probably won't. We have another one twenty from Doctor Shad again, right? No, we don't. All right. So thank you so much for listening. If you have your top ten, please post it to our Facebook page. We did put up a post uh, this past week about it saying, "Hey, we're starting our issues, our uh, top ten this week uh we would love to hear from you and maybe you'll be part of our honorable mentions uh yeah and uh let us know what you think about our bottom five of the top ten uh we'd love to hear from you we'd love to see what we might have missed or something that uh we haven't read and maybe we'll be bringing that to you in a trade and policy because we missed it Mm mm-hmm you can always follow us over at Facebook, uh, just like our page there, Bagnum Board. Uh, Twitter, we're online. We're on our emails. We're everywhere online. And make sure you check out our actual post, our uh, actual post on our website, BagnumBoard.com. Shop over at BagnumBoardCast.com or BagnumBoard.com slash Amazon. Uh, we do really appreciate it. And, you know, and hopefully you appreciate us. We appreciate you.